Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Maddie Moon with episode 10 of Mind Body Musings, the podcast where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. One of the main reasons why I started a podcast was that so that I could talk to inspirational people that I myself look up to, such as the guests I have on the show today. Nia Shanks, author of the beautiful Badass Mini Course and the popular Lift Like a Girl Revolution, is here with us to share her unique perspective on training, nutrition, and growing into the most badass version of yourself. Nia believes all women should in fact lift like girls because to lift like a girl means to lift, period. She wants females and males alike to realize their full potential and to seize the opportunity to create a stress-free routine that will create awesome results and unbounding confidence. In a world full of confusing and conflicting information towards health and fitness, Nia simplifies it to create a maintainable and enjoyable lifestyle tailored to each and every person. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Nia. Thank you for having me. Excited to be with you. Yeah, me too. How's your day been so far? It's been a very good day. Thankfully, it's uh, the weather's actually been fairly nice. We just had a crap ton of nasty storms the past few days, so oh, calm man. <laughs> yeah, don't you hate that? I flew in from uh, Utah yesterday, and it's been so beautiful here in Colorado for forever, but yesterday it was like thundering and lightning, and of course it was like the worst, scariest airport drive home, and like my flight got delayed, we had to go in circles, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I can do with that. The storms aren't so bad, it's anytime you have tornado watches, and then you have tornado warnings and sirens going off, and it's just, it, it's not fun. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Can you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about your your history and your past you've gone through a lot and I'm just really excited to share your story so jump on in yeah for sure um kind of uh what do you want me to discuss specifically kind of just my sorry the troubles that did you want me to go over kind of just the um you know disordered eating and all that fun stuff yeah yeah give us all the fun stuff that's what we want (laughs) I don't know if I call that fun stuff but yeah, no, it was definitely a part of my journey. And, you know, looking back on it, it's something I'm glad I went through. Uh, I would say it was, oh goodness, right about, I'd say it's been about, you know, I guess seven years now, I guess, since I finally got out of this really bad disordered eating habits where I was trying to follow diets and just following so many rules and, and everything just snowballed into a, a point to where I obsessed over everything I ate. I obsessed over when I was going to eat. And some people think I exaggerate when I say literally from the moment I woke up until I went to sleep, I was thinking about food. I was obsessing over what and when I was going to eat and, you know, what quantities and what combination of macronutrients and just just crazy obsessive things. And, you know, even got to the point where I was just binge eating severely. And I mean, I remember episodes where I would eat so much that my stomach would just ginormous. I mean, people call it a food baby. I had like food triplets. It was insane. It just would be in so much pain from from eating so much and just hated myself and I tried to vomit tons of times just apparently I can't self-induce vomiting in retrospect that was probably good <laughs> but it just that that went on for about three years to where I was just trapped in these these disordered eating habits and I, I just couldn't get control over anything I couldn't quit binge eating I couldn't quit obsessing over everything and it's something I completely revolved my life around and you know, kind of that, that experience is what has brought me to where I am today and the approach that I have on my website and even with clients that I work with. You know, I realized that to get out of those those just really bad disordered eating habits and binge eating, 
you know, for me, I, I tried to get, get away from all of that by trying different diets. I thought a diet would help me. It's like, oh, some rules will help me get out of it. You know, that always just made things so much friggin' worse. And finally, I realized after trying, I mean, I tried so many diets, probably over a dozen. And I finally realized after, you know, probably the 12th friggin' one, hey, idiot, clearly a diet is not fixing any of these problems. It's only com compounding them and making them progressively worse. And that's where I realized, it's like, you know, I really just need to, to stop with all the diets. I need to simplify things as much as possible. I need to get back to where I can develop sustainable, you know, simple, flexible habits. And that's really how I got to where I am today. And it was really just about, it was a combination of a couple of things. With nutrition, it was really about just stripping things down to the bare essentials, just focusing on, you know, the bare basics, such as, you know, focusing on eating real food. And then for me, it was really about just learning how to listen to my body. Because when I was in the middle of disordered eating habits, everything got so out of whack. I mean, I could not identify physical hungry, uh, hunger. I mean, for a couple of years, I seriously at never one point could say, I wouldn't eat, but I couldn't say, gosh, I don't, I can't tell if I'm physically hungry or not. And I knew that that was something so, so simple and natural that most people have. I needed to be able to, you know, find that ability to, to listen to that again. And that's really what I started doing was learning to listen and identify with true physical hunger and made it a point to, you know, eat slowly and listen to my body to, to determine when I was satisfied, not full and, you know, uncomfortably full, but just satisfied. And it's not something that happened overnight. It took, you know, several, several months, actually a better part of years to, I mean, things slowly got better, you know, month after month, but to get to where I would be quote normal, it took, you know, a couple of years. It was a slow process, but you know, and then um, in combination with that, I had to completely change my approach to strength training because in the middle of all that mess, the only reason I went to the gym was because I, I hated how I looked. I had put on so much excess fat from binge eating that I just went to the gym. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to burn this off. I've got to get rid of this. And that's the only reason I worked out it was just I hated how I looked and was trying to change how I looked. And I realized it's like, that's not something sustainable. It makes me feel like crap. And I really had to force myself to shift my perspective with strength training. And I, I made a goal to just focus on nothing but my performance when I went in the gym. All I cared about was doing a little better than last time. And along those lines, I also started setting kind of new performance-based goals for myself. And the first thing I started to focus on was increasing my deadlift. I kind of know, so, you know, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at deadlifting naturally. I've got, you know, really long, crazy arms. That, that naturally makes me a good deadlifter. So I said, you know, I'll take advantage of this natural ability. And, you know, that's kind of how I fell in love with deadlifting. And then my workout just get, became about getting stronger. And, you know, those two things together really simplified nutrition and then focusing on what my body could do and getting stronger is what really helped me get out of all of that disordered eating mess. Long, not long story short, long story long. <laughs> That's pretty much how I got to where I am today with, with Lift Like a Girl, my website and the information I put out. It's really just about trying to help people see that you don't have to revolve your life around a crazy diet. You don't have to spend hours and days and tons of time in a gym. You really can achieve the goals that you have in what I call a sane and simple way. So sorry for dragging that out. For about 10 no, <laughs> honestly, that was like, that was probably the best summary I've ever heard because everything you were saying, I was just nodding my head. Like, yep. Yep. Like I know, like, first of all, thank you so much for just like sharing all of that because I know there are a lot of people who are going through that same cycle right now. There's something about diets. That's just so enticing and like so safe. And like you, you hold on to that hope that it's going to get you where you want to be. 
So you keep staying in it, and it's so difficult to decide for yourself, okay, I need to, I need to stop, because you know it's going to be like a two-year process if you're lucky to stop. So if someone is listening to this right now, and they're like, man, I'm on my 13th diet, and I really need to stop, what would be like the top like three tips or just the top tips that you would tell someone here, this is what you need to do right now. You need to do this and you need to do this and you do this, like to get started on changing their mindset towards first, let's just start with nutrition. We'll get to, to strength training, but just with nutrition, what, what's, what are the top tips would you would tell somebody that's trying to get out of dieting? Yeah. Kind of the first thing, and this is something I go into depth in my book saying it's simple nutrition. Um, and some people look at me when I'm crazy. I mean, I've told clients this, you know, I say the first first thing that you're going to do with nutrition is forget everything you think you know about nutrition. <laughs> Seriously, try to erase everything you think you know. Try to forget about macronutrients and diets and vitamins and calories and just try to act like you know nothing about nutrition. You know, start with the with a clean slate because you know that's part of the problem is there's so much confusing and conflicting information and we're trying to process it and you know fat's good for you and then oh my god it's gonna kill you and make your heart explode and then carbs are good and then holy crap they're the devil. I mean it's just you know it's just a never ending cycle of confusing crap and no wonder everybody is so freaking confused. So that's my first piece of advice. Just try to wipe your brain clean of anything you think you know. And then after that, it's really just about, and I'm really big on, you know, I don't like, you know, quote diets, you know, things that have rules and all this crap, or even personally meal plans. I much prefer for people just to follow a couple simple guidelines that can be tailored to them. And then these guidelines that ultimately create habits because, you know, most people can't follow a diet long-term. They just can't. It's just, it does, it's not practical. It doesn't fit into your life. And so that you know, you end up quitting it and then you lose any results you get. But by developing habits, you know, eventually this will become effortless. You won't have to think about food. You won't have to worry about what to eat or when to eat. You're going to instinctually know after a period of time because it's simply going to be a habit. Um, and so along those lines, you know, some, some of the guidelines I've really tried to get people to focus on are really just the few basic ones. I mean, yeah, you could, I could give you a list of a hundred things you could do. But, you know, why focus on a ton of details when you are going to get the vast majority of the results by maybe just three or four simple principles? You know what I mean? It's going to keep things a lot more simple and a lot less stressful. And so kind of the first one I already, you know, basically said was focus on eating real food. There's nothing magical about that to me. It's just, you know, real food is better for you. You're going to get more vitamins and minerals. You know, it's going to be free from potentially harmful crap. So, you know, real food first is the main thing. And then I really like to encourage people, especially people who have been on diets and they're, they're used to, you know, they eat because, you know, they're used to eating because, Oh, it's eight o'clock. I have to eat breakfast or it's noon. I have to eat. They're used to eating based on a clock or some kind of a schedule. And I really encourage people just to learn to listen to their body. You know, are you hungry when you wake up? Are you hungry? You're hungry, then eat. You're not hungry. Don't eat. You know, I don't, I don't eat my first meal of the day until about kind of 1030 because that's just when I finally get hungry. So that's when I eat. And uh, a lot of people kind of seem to realize that, you know, once they kind of just really make it that simple, they're surprised at, you know, the times that they are or aren't hungry. And kind of the other cool thing about it, you know, I tell people, say, if you just really learn to listen to your body and you eat when you're hungry, and then the second thing is, is learning to stop when you're satisfied, you know, don't eat, keep eating until you're like overly full. You know, once you can really kind of master those two basics, 
you realize that, hey, you know, I don't have to overeat. I don't have to get really full because I know if I'm hungry again later, I can eat when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of something that was really freeing for me because at one point I, I was really big into intermittent fasting. And for some people, it's a terrific approach. But for me, just because of my personality, you know, I, I started getting obsessed with the feeding and fasting window. And so I, I, what I started to do was, you know, at the end of my feeding window, the eight hour window or whatever, I would catch myself overeating. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've got to fast for however many hours. And so I caught myself just, just eating more than I really needed to. And like I said, not everybody has that problem. I do, it's just my personality. Mm-hmm. But that's why I said, you know, for me, it was really helpful to just eat if I'm hungry, stop when I'm satisfied, and then I can eat again, whether it's in two, four, or six hours, however many. And um, those are the main things I would that I would say, just try to forget everything you think, you know, go back to some basics, focus on real food. I mean, nothing, you know, I, I posted a, a link to an article a while ago in, in a blog I wrote on my website, and it was kind of a research study that was trying to find the perfect diet. And basically they said, you know, there is no perfect diet. The basics are what reign supreme, you know, when it comes to just eating real food. It's, it's pretty much that simple. And um, that's just really what I, I suggest people do. And like I said, you want to tailor these things in a way that fits your lifestyle, in a way that, that can be kind of tailored depending on your preferences, you know, depending on when you want to eat dinner with your family or whatever, or could have to, you know, be changed kind of according to your work schedule. You know, for instance, um, I've helped a lot of nurses, you know, they have crazy hours and shifts and stuff. And, you know, they've tried following diets and they get really frustrated because they say, you know, I'm working, I can't stop and eat in the middle of my shift. And then they, they panic because they can't follow that diet that they're on. I'm saying, you know, obviously that diet isn't going to work for you. You know, quit freaking out about it. Eat when you can or, you know, whatever. And they find out that, hey, if I do things in a way that fits in with my lifestyle instead of revolving my life around this diet, they're like, holy crap, I'm not stressed out anymore. And I'm like, you know, that's that's how simple that it's supposed to be. Right, right. Those are really, really good tips. And I, I myself have tried to do intuitive eating. Like I talk about this often, you know, I went through a phase where I was just like, I am an intuitive eater now, but it is such an art. Once you lose the ability to feel hungry and eat when you're hungry and feel the sensation of being full and stop eating, once you lose that ability, it really is hard to relearn it. It's so difficult. And it's like something so simple. I mean, People who have never really gone on a diet and, you know, have learned how to eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, and they maintain their weight that way, it's really hard for them to understand, like, wait, you don't, you don't, like, eat when you're hungry? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. And and then people, of course, who have been doing this their whole life are like, oh, my gosh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I just... I took me the longest time to figure out that six meals a day does not have to be the only way. doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like just that. And then I too tried intermittent fasting for a while and then I'm, ju- I'm just the same as you. Like everything you're saying, I'm just kind of like, yep, yep, yep. Because I tried intermittent fasting and, you know, it became a game. Like how long can I go today? How long can I go today to get t- until I eat and break the fast? Like can I, get to, can I get to noon? Can I get to one o'clock, to two o'clock? And then I'll like get on Facebook and see someone post a picture about how they got to like six o'clock and, and they get to eat ice cream that night because they waited so long. And I'm like, man, I want to have ice cream. Do I have to wait till six o'clock too? You know? And like, I didn't understand the concept that I could just have ice cream when I wanted to. And you know, that's just a, that's just a mind prison. But on like the topic of like ice cream and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so whole foods, 
100% all there with you. Like, I think if you can eat whole foods and just um, enjoy, like, the beautiful creation of plants and fruit and meat and carbs and, and grains, if you like that, then do it. Like, just eat whole foods. But my question for you then is, like, what if – because I don't know. There's so much controversy, I think, with, like, not whole foods, like, processed mm-hmm. foods. And there's the, there's a, such a long spectrum. There are the people that, like, will – you know they they ha- they reward themselves with unprocessed like sorry with processed foods when they when they have when they've been dieting for so long that's their treat that's their reward then there are the people who practice balance you know and they have something like a treat every single day but you know it's not whole foods so i I'm, i don't know if i'm making any sense but what i'm trying like like you don't want to necessarily reward yourself with these things but you don't want to restrict yourself from them either so what if someone wants to have a little bit of something unprocessed every single day? You know, like, should you know, they shouldn't feel guilty. Like, what would you recommend for them if they want to do that, go for it or hold back? What would you say? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and it's something I really should have clarified. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to say that I eat whole foods and only whole foods and nothing processed ever comes across my face. No, dear God. I mean... Yeah, ice cream. I eat. It's like my thing, man. I'm gonna have somewhere done with this interview. (laughs) But no, I mean, I definitely have some processed foods. I mean, for freaking breakfast today, I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and usually buy like Ezekiel bread, but the store I was at didn't have it, and so I just bought the least crappy whole wheat bread I could find. Thankfully, I found one that didn't have oils and trans fat and uh, high fructose corn syrup. It's the best I could do, but it's it's processed. But I made the best choice I could with what I had. And, of course, I used, you know, all natural peanut butter. And I used, um, you ever heard of Stonewall Kitchen? From uh, up they have, oh, my God. Oh, holy crap. They have the best jellies. I mean, they have uh, sour cherry and blackberry and Maine blueberry. It's just phenomenal. I mean, it has sugar in it, but it's real sugar. They use actual sugar and then actual fruit. So it's not, you know, it's. For the most part, it's it's mostly real. And uh, I mean, but yeah, technically it's processed, you know, but mm-hmm. I tell people, you know, pick and choose your battles when it comes to, you know, things that are processed. I mean, I, I feel more comfortable eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich than I would say something that's heavily processed like a friggin' Pop-Tart. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like just use a little bit of common sense and don't, that, that becomes a problem that some people obsess over process versus non-process or you know even something like white rice and brown rice i've seen people literally have a panic attack and i understand because i've been there in the past i've obsessed over these, these things are like oh my god white rice you know i like the taste of it better but brown rice is less processed and what should i eat my family won't eat brown rice but i really don't believe it. i'm like that's such a minor detail you know that quit flipping yourself out over something so insignificant and like i said just use some common sense you know that a pop tart is heavily heavily processed you're better off eating something i mean like i said there, there's differences between you know i mean we take things like fish oil fish oil is processed you can't go grab a fish oil <laughs> caplet out of the ocean you know what i mean right something that cracks me up that some people they are so diehard nothing processed but then they take protein powder and, and supplements like all those things are heavily processed but for me for what i t- like to tell people is kind of a loose guideline you know Around 90% of what you eat on a daily basis, ideally, is real whole foods that you can find in nature. And then, you know, you're going to have some wiggle room. Like today I had, you know, friggin' whole wheat bread. It wasn't the stuff I normally get. I usually like to get the sprouted grain, whatever. So that was a little processed, but it wasn't, 
you know, it wasn't anything horrible. And then other than that, you know, it's, it's real foods and vegetables and fruit, nuts, mm -hmm. seeds, meat, dairy, eggs. And like, you know, other than that, it's just, just kind of relaxed about it. And I tell people, you know, there's so many awesome foods out there that are healthy foods, you know, find the ones that you like and eat those. I mean, I can give, you know, I have several healthy foods I don't like, so I don't eat them. I don't care how good they are for me. I don't think they taste good. I'm not going to put them in my mouth. You know, so It's like find things that you enjoy because to me, eating is supposed to be something enjoyable. I'm, I'm not a die hard, you know, you've seen that those memes or whatever you call them, you know, food is fuel. And so some oh, people gosh, choke yes. down fried chicken and broccoli, food is fuel. You know, they don't care how it tastes. I'm not like that, man. If it doesn't taste good, I'm not going to waste my time eating it. But, um, I'm sorry. I completely went off topic. But no, I when love it, comes, it. When it comes to the processed food thing, I mean, like I said, focus on eating real foods. And then if there's something that you really enjoy, don't deprive yourself of it. Because, you know, the second you start giving things labels such as evil food or forbidden food, that's going to be when you want it the most. Mm -hmm. So when you can just kind of relax and not not put those labels on food, you're not going to want them as much. I mean, I've, I've done that in the past. I I would tell myself I couldn't eat ice cream because it was a, you know, combination of fat and carbs. And that just makes you gain weight automatically, you know, all that crap that you hear people say. And so I, I would tell myself I wouldn't eat ice cream. And then all I wanted was freaking ice cream because I thought I couldn't have it. Well, now, you know, I don't, I realize that ice cream is not evil. Like I can eat it and it's not going to make me fat. And, you know, at the same time, I don't want to eat a gallon of it every day or anything, but I've, I've learned to kind of release myself from, from like having food shaming issues and so when I really want it I will have it you know what I mean and it's really just kind of when you can take a relaxed approach that that seems to be the best way but yeah I mean real food most first and foremost and then I tell people you know kind of the other 10-15% of the time eat the things that you really enjoy and yeah <laughs> it's so funny when you said the brown rice white rice thing I have like memories of when I went strict paleo I like really, really, really wanted some carbohydrates, but I was all I was eating was sweet potatoes. I was seriously trying to bulk as a bodybuilder with quotation marks in the air, and uh, and I was like, I'm so tired of sweet potatoes, but I want I want white rice, but I really want only have brown rice right now, so maybe I should have some brown rice. So I would go to like Mark's Daily Apple, like the forum, and like type in white rice and and read like strings of like five like 500 messages of people just debating brown versus white rice and if our ancestors really had white rice and if we're allowed to have white rice and like if it'll kill us and some people will like attack the previous poster about how evil white rice is and then others will be like are do you know like that this is a paleo forum you can't even bring up brown rice like it was just really intense and that's how I would spend like my Thursday nights is reading like the benefits of white to brown rice just to make sure that I stayed say strict paleo because I would read that and it would like reinforce it in my brain but yeah, um, so have you ever made a uh, PB&J French toast sandwich? Oh, dear God. <laughs> freaking glorious. I've seen pictures of them. I just haven't done it. But, oh, yeah, that's got to be on my list now. I've done it with a waffle. I've made a waffle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make a peanut butter and jelly with that. It's glorious. It's oh, magic. man. That sounds so the good. I love French toast. Holy crap. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. Whether I'm thinking the cherry jam and the peanut butter, hell yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. I've, I actually have a little recipe on my blog because I made it once. I got it from somebody else. But what I did, I got like like the, the most amazing sourdough bread. And I did cr crunchy peanut butter 
And then I did like fresh strawberry jam. And then I actually sliced strawberries like, and put them in the sandwich. So I had like crunchy peanuts and actual strawberries and the jam and the nut butter. And then I made it and topped it with like tons of honey and like more strawberries. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever had. I'm starting to drool over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, I, I used to be so crazy about PB&Js when I was young. But then, you know. I stopped eating them, and now I kind of eat them again. And they're like, I'm messed up. And I, like, I had a freaking, yeah, peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk today, and I thought it was one of the most amazing things ever. So, dear God, how old am I? I'm freaking 29. <laughs> I feel like, and I had string cheese of all things. I had some string cheese later in the day. I still love that stuff. So, God, I feel like I'm regressing in age or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so like, satiating because that's what you want, and that's what you have. And like, there's a different kind of like mental experience when you have something you're actually craving, like you're satisfied. So you're not going to overeat because you know, you can have it again another day. It's not the, your last time to have a PB and J and a glass of milk. So you eat it till you're full and you feel good. And like another thing I wanted to talk to you about is like, okay, so you said something about like the food baby. And for me personally, <laughs> like I can't even like, I've probably had so many food babies in my life, just millions of children come and go. But <laughs> so yeah. French toast sandwich children. <laughs> Little baby French toast. Yeah. That's what I would have like all the time. And let's see. So, you know, like when I was eating so, so clean, that kind of stuff would just make me bloat like crazy. You know, I wouldn't want to go out that night because I'd feel fat and like, I'd be sad. And, um, Basically, uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but <laughs> like, where was it going? Um, I don't even remember. I had some, I had a really good point, but oh yeah, I know. Um, so my, I feel like when I was eating those things, half the time I was stressing out so much that I was creating, I don't know if this is so true, but I feel like I was creating a spike in like my cortisol because I was just thinking about it and stressing about it. And maybe I was just creating this bloat on my own that didn't really need to be there because I was so uptight and I was so like scared and frustrated. Is that even possible or is that, am I making that out of my mind? You know, I don't, I mean, I don't know all of the scientific stuff that goes into it. I, I know from personal experience and I, I do believe this to be true to some extent is I, I do think that some people that, you know, the stress they cause themselves from certain nutritional habits or, you know, just the way they perceive certain foods. I, I really think that, you know, stressing about, and I've been there, so I'm going to use myself again as, a, as an example. Years ago, I wouldn't let myself have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because the bread was processed and all that crap. You know what I mean? That combination of fat and carbs and all that crap. Gluten, you know, everything. <laughs> Gluten, the devil. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I would stress over it. I'd freak out about it, and I'd want to eat that because I was like, I really want it. But I would panic about it, and I would stress out about it and wouldn't let myself have it. And I'm, I'm actually convinced that, you know, then compared to now, then I would stress out about it and freak out about it. I'm convinced that would cause more harm. And then say I went and ate something else that's, quote, healthier. I, I really feel I'm in a better place, not just emotionally and mentally, but also physically with my body that now I don't freak out when I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm not causing unnecessary stress. But yeah, I actually think that the stress can cause more harm than just, you know, having things in moderation. Mm -hmm. Kind of something else. I don't know if you've experienced this, but in the past when I, when I had those views on food, when I, you know, if I said, oh, I really want ice cream, but I'm not going to eat it. I can't have ice cream. 
What I found out that I did is I would go eat other things, but eat them to a greater capacity and I would eat so much more. And I was like, holy crap, you know, if I just actually eat the food that I'm really craving, I'll eat less than if I tell myself, no, 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 no. And then I would just go shovel anything else I could find and put in my face. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a, a huge connect connection between how we perceive food and, you know, stressing over nutrition compared to just learning to kind of take a relaxed, uh, you know, moderation approach to it for sure. Mm-hmm. I no, I completely, I've been there for sure. And that's why I kept going back to meal plans and I kept going back to trainers to tell me what to eat and write out like this six meal a day meal plan for me because I didn't trust myself because I was like, when I get off this meal plan, I know I'm going to want something I'm not supposed to eat. And I know I already knew, like, I'm not going to be able to eat it. So I'm going to go eat everything else in sight that's quote-unquote healthier. And I'm going to feel full and bloated and go to bed sad and tired and wake up in the morning and just do it all over again until I go and hire a new coach or trainer to give me a meal plan. Like, you know, that's what I kept doing. Um, so what about, like, for training-wise? How – so let's first start with someone who – I'm kind of going to just use myself as an example here then. I've been doing like kind of the bodybuilding, like not so much anymore, but I was do. I used to do like six days a week of, you know, training and like a lot of it was isolation kind of training and uh, really just burned myself out in that. So now I go like four times a week and I'm even like, that's feeling like too much and I'm just kind of bored and in a rut with the same old, same old training routine. So how would you suggest that, me and everyone else listening change our mindset from, you know, the, the pure aesthetics reason and going to performance. How do you adjust your mindset towards that? Yeah, I mean, and again, it's something it's going to take a little bit of practice. You can't, you know, some people have the glorious ability. They can just flip the switch and they're done. But for most people, you know, it's something that's going to take a little bit of practice, a little bit of time. Um, my suggestion would be if you're getting – a little burned out or overwhelmed with four days a week, I would just automatically, you know, scale back to three days a week. And, you know, kind of one of my just go-to routines is a total body three-day-a-week program. It's just so many people, I see people achieve just terrific results with that, and they can get what I call maximum results in minimum time. And that's just, that's kind of my fallback. And, you know, along those lines, if I'm designing a program for somebody, you know, I, I usually ask them to, to come up with some goals that get them excited you know maybe they want to be able to do for well a lot of women they want to be able to do you know flawless push-ups and a lot of women really want to be able to do a chin-up for the first time some other women they, they kind of get bit by the heavy lifting bug and they want to see how much they can deadlift or squat or whatever so it's really just I tell them to kind of come up with some goals that they think would be just cool to achieve you know what do you want to be able to do and then that's how we design a program along those goals. That way, when you go to the gym, you know, you're excited to keep training. And every week, you're going to see yourself making progress. Like, hey, I did five push-ups last week. Hell yeah, I did six this week. You know, it's just, it's those little steps. And when you can really, you know, kind of as you said, you know, with the, the previous training that you've been doing, and, and I've done it in the past too, where it's all focused on how you look. But the cool thing about changing your perspective to focusing on what your body can do you know, it's usually a lot more motivating, but the other really cool thing that I've seen happen with most women that actually, that truly try, you know, to focus on nothing but their performance, they realize that after they do that for a period of time, they actually get the freaking, you know, body changing results they wanted all along. And the cool thing about it at that point, it's just, you know, a side effect. It wasn't the actual goal. So, you know, I, it's really just about kind of 
I mean, like I said, some people, they, they don't understand, you know, what does it mean to focus on performance? And like I said, it, it really comes to kind of just identifying a couple of goals or even just one. If you can only just come up with one goal, if the only thing you think you want to do that would be cool is a chin up, that's fine. At least it gives you something to focus on. And then you want to make sure you follow a program that will help you progress to being able to do a chin up. But, you know, week after week, you're going to see your strength increases and you're going to get closer to that goal. And then you know, once you finally achieve that goal, it's going to be a huge sense of satisfaction. And then, you know, then you just come up with another one like, hey, cool, I can do this. I want to do this next, you know. And the cool thing about that is it usually helps keep, you know, the motivation up. And and along the same lines, it really, it really helps you come to appreciate your body for what it can do because we so easily obsess, you know, all of us. I'm no different. It's It's easy to freak out over how you look. And think you need to fix something or look different. But when you can truly learn to appreciate your body for its strength and what it's capable of doing, I mean, you can you learn to love and respect your body on a whole new level. And and even on top of that, you know, usually you're, you're, you get a good boost of self-confidence. Like when you go and get stronger, heck yeah, man. I mean, I've had so many women, when, once they do their first body weight chin up, it's like just something crazy happens. Like first chin up, they're like, yes, I am unstoppable. <laughs> it's just like a switch just gets flipped and they're just you know they're there's more friggin' confident and just you know fewer things intimidate them and stuff so there's just there's so many perks to, to keeping your workouts you know performance focused mm, yeah that's that's so awesome for me right now like i would love to be able to do just not chin-ups but like actual pull-ups I, I got i got so close to the point where i could do those and then i stopped doing them because i got i went to a new gym and they just didn't have the the, the pull-up kind of uh, link that I liked, you know, I got to be, that's my excuse at least. That's not really true, but that's what I say. But handstands, can you do a handstand? Because those are freaking hard for me. I, can, I can't do a freestanding handstand. I can do one against a wall. I can do handstand push-ups, but against a wall, not, oh. not support. <laughs> well, that's impressive still. Those are hard. Very that was one of well, that was one of the goals I had I, years ago. I freaking screwed up my back and I couldn't lift heavy anymore, and I had to find a way to stay motivated. You know, I was bummed out because I couldn't train to how I was used to training, and I had to take my own you know advice. I had to come up with goals that actually got me excited to make me keep want to make me keep wanting to train, and that's what I said. I was like, hey, handstand pushups look pretty cool. I want to be able to do those, and so that's that's what I focused my training on. Oh man, that's awesome! I'm gonna have to start trying to do those because the hand, the free, the free handstand, like just by myself, that's a little bit scary. I'm just not used to chilling out upside down quite yet. So maybe start with a wall <laughs> before I just, you know, get myself. Hey, no, use a wall for sure. Dang, I wouldn't try without the wall. <laughs> I know. I'm just jumping right in. Um, okay, I so fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happens. That's happened before, actually. But um, so what about you know, just like um. What if it was, there was a situation where someone was doing all of these things, they were eating this way, you know, they were training for strength goals, but they weren't really seeing the kind of results they want physically? I mean, you don't necessarily want to say, like, you know, pick up the pace or step it up or change your food. So how do you get where you want to be aesthetically if you're not seeing the results you want by doing all of these things? Would would that be more of a mental thing? Like you might need to change your expectations because your body is probably looking the way it wants to look or is there a way around that? Uh, no, I mean, well, you know, some of it could be a mindset, you know, I had, I'll use somebody as an example. She emailed me, I guess last week and she's currently doing the uh, 15 week muscle sculpting program that I have. And she's only, she had just finished phase one. So, I mean, she's only gotten through four or five weeks of it. 
And she told me she lost, oh, I can't recall exactly, I mean, maybe three pounds. And she said she's getting stronger, so she's seeing some results. But she was concerned because she doesn't feel like she's made the progress that she should have made. And in my response to her, and I told her in the email, I said, I'm going to be very blunt with you. It's only freaking been four or five weeks. And I, I get it. You know, we're conditioned to thinking we should see these drastic attainable results. I mean, we want to wake up tomorrow and look different. And I understood where she was coming from because, you know, I've been there. But I tried telling her, I said, you know, you've already achieved some great results and only only four or five weeks, but you know, you're not going to, unless you're doing a crazy crash diet or something, you're not going to see crazy drastic results in such a short period of time. I told her, I said, there's a reason that this program is 15 weeks. That's a good amount of time for you to see some noticeable changes. And I really just told her, you know, focus on what you're doing, focus on the process. Don't, don't obsess over completing the program. Don't obsess over, you know, oh my gosh, 15 weeks from now, how am I going to look? How much different am I going to look? Forget about the end. You need to really learn how to enjoy the process. You need to learn to enjoy every workout that you perform. You need to be proud of, you know, every workout you perform. You need to really relish the improvements you make on a daily and weekly basis. Eat delicious foods that you enjoy that make you feel good. I mean, it's really about embracing the process and enjoying the journey of the entire thing instead of just obsessing over reaching that goal. And uh, I mean, on top of that, if, if you're honestly, if you've been consistent, you know, and it's been several, several weeks or even several months and you don't feel like you're making progress, I would really say at that point, you know, stop and really look at your entire regimen from just from try to just look at the whole thing and be honest with yourself. How is your nutrition? Are you, are you eating mostly real foods or do you find yourself kind of going through the, you know, a drive through more often than you should, or you just kind of, you know, I mean, you really just have to kind of look at things because in my opinion, when people just can really nail down the basics, you don't have to obsess over the other details too much. I mean, some people, it's something as simple as, you know, I had one girl who she was eating well and she was strength training three days a week, but she felt like she wasn't progressing as she should. The only thing we had her change, and then here's the other important thing I will say, don't freaking change everything all at once. Don't say, oh my God, this isn't working. I'm going to eat different. I'm going to work out different. Don't change everything. Just change one small thing. So in her case, we just added in, you know, like a nice walk on days she didn't work out. Just like a 20 to 40 minute walk. And she finally, she realized it was, she started losing fat. Granted, it was, you know, at a, at a decent rate, you know, a couple pounds a month or whatever. But just that, that one addition, just the walks helped her to, start getting those results she wants. So that would definitely be my suggestion is that that's something I see people do is they, they think they're stalling out. And so they automatically, you know, like, Oh, I'm working out three days a week. I'm working out six days a week. Now, you know, they just go crazy. They just do so much all at once. But the problem with that one, you usually get burned out. And two, you leave no room for, for progression because you know, what if you do go balls out and you work out six days a week and then you, then you stall out again, we can do now. You can work out three times a day. So that's really the good thing about, you know, just adding in things slowly and one at a time, you know, if for that one girl, if it was 20, 20 minutes, you know, she did a 20 minute walk four days a week. And let's say after a couple months, she completely stalled out and isn't losing any more weight. She can bump those walks up to 25 or 30 minutes. You know, it's really just try to do the minimum and see what you achieve. And then that way, if you need to add a little more, you can, you leave some room to progress. But I mean, if you're already running yourself ragged, working out every day, doing more ain't going to help you. I mean, it's going to burn you out or drive you crazy. One of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say ain't, but you know, I'm, I'm from the South. It comes out. <laughs> it's okay. I'm from Texas. <laughs> I do the same. 
Um, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I'm really, really glad you said that because I think that's a lot of times just instinct for people to go from one thing to the polar opposite. Like speaking from experience, I've done, I can't even tell you how many times I've done high carb one day and then extremely low carb, zero carb the next day. Cause I was like, well, you know, like, um, you know, Matt Stone says, you know, Matt Stone, right? You know, Oh uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just feel like y'all would know each other. I don't know. Like, it's a big world. Okay. Well, he's all about carbohydrates. And so, like, I love his work. And I'm always like, well, Matt Stone says carbohydrates will, like, get my uh, my heat um, flowing better. So I'm going to eat a lot of carbs today. And then, you know, the next day it's like, well, so-and-so-and-so said that I should be eating, like, 15 egg yolks a day and absolutely no carbohydrates. And that if I do that, I don't have to do any cardio. So I'll do that. You know, and then the next day I'm my poor body. It's like I thankfully I'm I'm trekking on out of that habit. I'm trekking on out of there. But you know, some people are still there, still doing that. You know, who knows? Maybe one day I'll accidentally relapse. But it's so good to remember that your intuition and being intuitive with your eating, being intuitive with your training. Start there. That's a great place to start. It's a great basic, like whole foods, like what you said, and then changing one thing slowly. Like who would, who knew that like a walk could really make a difference? But it does. Like you don't need to make these huge, like crazy changes going from one one up one uh, end of the spectrum to the next. Sorry, my dog's scratching the wall. But um, <laughs> yeah. So um, speaking of like walking and cardio, uh, what do you think about? walking versus running. I don't know if you if you have any like particular feelings towards running. I know some people, you know, can't stand running, but then I like some people absolutely love running and it makes them happy, but in like in terms of health and what's the healthiest option and the option that's going to I mean, obviously if running makes you ha- happy, that's a great mental health boost, but if someone isn't a big fan of cardio at all, would you recommend that they just stick with like walking, like nice paced walking? Yeah. When it comes to, you know, the running walking debate, I tell people, I mean, I have some women, they'll come to me and they say that they love running. They enjoy competing in races. It makes them feel good, but they read this article. Somebody said women shouldn't run and they hate it. And, you know, here, here's my perspective. If you legitimately enjoy running, if that's something that you enjoy, like my mom, she, used to run all the time. She freaking loved it. She'd go run miles and she loved it. It made her feel great. If you're somebody that enjoys that activity, go do it. Who am I to tell you not to? I mean, if you have shin splints or stress fractures or something and it hurts, obviously don't do it. But I mean, if it's something that you enjoy that makes you happy, then by all means do it. Am I going to go run a couple miles to get in shape? No, it boils me to tears and it hurts my knees. I'm not going to go run, but that doesn't mean that other, other women can't or shouldn't, you know, I'm all about people you're going to be more consistent if you're doing something that's fun for you. So yeah, by all means, if it, if it makes you happy to run a few miles at a time, then go freaking run, you know, wear good shoes and, and, you know, try to take care of yourself. But, um, you know, other than that, no, I'm not going to recommend that somebody who is just looking to lose weight or get in shape. No, I'm not going to tell them to go out and run. People, uh, tend to underestimate that you need to be in shape before you run. You don't get in shape by running. I mean, there are some biomechanics, issues that can come from people going out and pounding the crap out of their joints if they're not using proper running mechanics and stuff. So um, that's just my suggestion. If you enjoy it, do it. If you're, if you're looking to get in shape, I would recommend beginning with walking. And then if you want to run, I am personally more of a fan of something like hill sprints. 
just because uh, when you kind of run at an incline, it doesn't seem to be as jarring on your on your knees and your back because you're going up at an incline and usually on grass, which is even better. Um, so if I do any type of quote running, it's, it's the sprint variety just because I can get it over with quicker. <laughs> you know, I can, I can run full speed for 10 seconds. That doesn't bother me. But um, I hope, did that answer your question? No, yeah, totally. That definitely answered my question. I just know some people, you know, don't run. You, it actually makes you like fatter or, you know, you have to run every single day and you have to eat low carb and like whatever. And well, one thing I will say is that, you know, I, I don't recommend that somebody just does cardio at any point. I do really encourage people to do some type of either resistance training or some type of physical activity that gets gets their muscles working. I mean, there's tons of research and real world experience that has proven, you know, you take two individuals or two twins just to keep it consistent. One twin does nothing but cardio. One twin does, you know, a little bit of cardio and a little bit of strength training. The twin that does nothing but cardio, yeah, they're going to lose some fat, but they're also going to lose muscle. And then the twin that does a combination of strength training and cardio, they're going to lose more fat and actually, you know, build muscle, which is, is even better. So I wouldn't say do nothing but cardio by any means, but you know, definitely do what you enjoy and then try to balance it at least with just a little bit of strength training. And you don't even have to go, you don't have to go crazy. And I actually put an article up last week that, that um, outlines a really good, just two day a week strength training program. Cause I have some women that they, you know, that, that do, um, they compete in running, you know, 5k races or, or whatever. And they want a strength training routine simply to balance that out. And so, you know, people that have other physical activities that they want to engage in, you know, that's when I'll say a two day per week strength training program is perfect for you. It's not going to burn you out. It's going to help you get stronger. It's going to help you, you know, build some muscle. It's going to increase your bone density and all these wonderful things. And it's going to help you perform better in, in your activity of choice. So I, mean, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> God, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's great. You're totally, you're totally spot on. And so, like, for people who don't do marathon training and who who really just want to get, you know, what they would like to call toned and who just want to shape their, their muscles a little bit, do you think that two to three times a week will do just that or they need to do a little bit more than that or is that about a good time? Um, my, like I said, my, my usual fallback is a three-day-a-week strength training routine unless some people that just doesn't work for them. If they're a shift worker or if they're really busy and they truly just can't get to the gym more than two days a week, I'm, I tell people if you know that you can only get to the gym two days a week, then just strength train two days a week. You know, if you, you're going to be better off going to the gym two days a week, even if you think that's not enough, than trying to force yourself to go three days a week. Because if you're trying to force yourself to do something that you know is not sustainable long term, you're going to freaking give up rightfully right. so right so yeah i mean there are people that only strength train two days a week and they can get results i mean granted nutrition is important you want to still eat well and ideally you want to at least be moving in some other ways as well but yeah i mean you don't have to be in the gym all the time you don't i mean it's more something i kind of tell people they don't believe me and my response is just freaking try it you know just try it and see right yeah don't have time just you know try it for a couple months and then see because some people they get better results than they did when they were working out four days a week because they find out they recover better they're able to get stronger more progressively because they you know they're more fresh when they go in the gym so some people two days a week is actually better than four days so it's really just about you know my, my thing to tell people is do what fits into your lifestyle if you truly can only work out two days a week just work out two days a week if you can do three and you want to do three do three you don't have to do four or five just because you see it in a magazine. Mm -hmm. you know, 
Right. And you don't necessarily have to go to a gym, right? Like, I don't know if this is right, but do you go to a gym or do you have like a built-in gym in your home? My garage. <laughs> right. That's what I thought. I know all these things about your life. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? <laughs> no, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a home gym. and um, But even a lot of times I'll do, even though I have a power rack and a barbell and dumbbells and stuff, a lot of times I'll still just do body weight stuff because it, it makes it just makes my body feel really good, not constantly loading it with external weight. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, people, they can achieve a crap ton of results at home with just body weight training. I mean, you have to do it correct. You, you can't do 200 sit-ups and, you know, 500 body weight squats and expect to make a lot of progress. I mean, you have to know how to progress to more challenging exercises to where you can keep challenging your body. You want to find ways to keep getting stronger. And, um, yeah, people grossly underestimate how effective bodyweight training can actually be. Um, because like I said, years ago, I hurt my back to where that's pretty much all I could do. And I was like, oh my God, this isn't going to be challenging at all. But like I said, once I start trying to do handstand push-ups or, you know, L-sit chin-ups and stuff, it's humbling because that crap's hard. But, you know, yeah, I mean, definitely, you actually, you don't need a gym or something, uh, not to throw too much out here, but something I, I will do for some people is they can only go to the gym one or two days a week whether it's because they have kids or just whatever, but they know they want to work out another day or two. And I say, you know, go to the gym one or two days a week and do weightlifting there. And then one or two days a week at home, just do body weight exercises. That way they're able to train more times per week, but they're not having to go to the gym to do it. So yeah, body weight training is awesome. Oh, that's, that's great. I, I'm probably going to have to try that myself. Like just hearing you talking about it because I'm like, I love weight training and I, I love my squats. I really love squats. It's like my favorite thing. But I really feel like my body is – I'm a little nervous that when I get older, I'm not going to be functioning as great as I am now because my back hurts a lot. My back starts to hurt when I do really heavy deads and when I do squats. Like I got up to 235 pounds on my deads. I could just do one, one rep with that. But like – Ah, it really, really, really hurt. And like, I, I stretch it out. I make sure I stretch, you know, I don't go do more than like I can handle, but I was just getting to the point where I was doing that every week. Like I was trying to see how heavy I could go every single week. And then that on top of like, that's, the, that's what? That'll hurt. Yeah. Maxing out every week. That'll, that'll get you. Yeah. That, that'll get you. I haven't, I mean, honestly, I haven't done that in about six months because I know I can't handle it. I can't handle like having to Oh, my back, my back, my back, like every day at work because people are like, what is she talking about? But um, that on top of like just the the bicep curls and the hammer curls, then like the rows and then the cable rows and then the, you know, the dumbbell rows and then the overarm rows and then like all of these just isolation exercises that I know I don't necessarily need. And then I go somewhere, I mean, like I can totally do that like all day, like that that's fine. But then I go and I try to do like 10 push-ups and 10 pull-ups and um, like wall squats for five minutes. And I'm like toast and I'm beat and I'm not hurting. Nothing hurts. I feel like I'm really good. I feel really like I feel excited because I have a new challenge. There's no back pain. I feel kind of, I feel even more limber in some ways. I'm like sore in areas I've never felt. And it's really fun. And it's really exciting like to think that you can get by with not having a gym and just doing like body weight exercises and uh, 
Just out of curiosity, are there like certain body weight exercises that you're like, okay, you should definitely do these because they're awesome? Um, some of my favorites, I mean, I love push-ups and any and every variety. Um, there, everybody should be doing some type of push-up unless you just physically can't. But most people can do push-ups without any issues, say compared to a barbell bench press, just because it's a lot less stressful on your shoulders and stuff. So push-ups of any and every variety are friggin' awesome. Uh, pull-ups, if you can do them, if your shoulder mobility allows, pull-ups of all kinds are, are great. I love inverted rows as well. Um, handstand push-ups, if you can do them, for some people they're kind of tricky because it'll bother their shoulder. When it comes to um, the lower body, I really, I like pistols, but for some people, they can be a little much. Um, but even for me, for example, I actually don't do them anymore. I can't. I have a bum knee. And then that just that intense, that full range of motion, just my knee gets really pissed off. And so that kind of really turned me on to skater squats. You know what those are? You know what this bodyweight skater squats are? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if I can describe it. You just you stand up and you put hold up one leg and you squat down until that trailing knee just grazes the ground, if it makes sense. But they're tougher than they look, and they're one of my absolute favorite bodyweight exercises. And most people have to progress to them, either shortening the range of motion by having you know their knee go down to a step or something, or what I like to have people do is hold on to a suspension trainer and use that for a little bit of assistance. And then to make it tougher, you can just kind of stand on something or hold weights or whatever and and that's something I've, I've really started to fall in love with skater squats because they, they're really, they'll hit your butt and your legs really hard. And the range of motion is limited to where it doesn't put a lot of stress on your knees. And um, single leg hip thrusts are really good for glutes. Those are some of my, those are some of just my favorite bodywood exercises. And there's so many ways to progress them, to keep making them challenging to where, you know, you can constantly keep kicking it up a notch. That That's not a problem. And do you have, like, do you follow a certain kind of set rep range? Right now I don't, simply because I started hating working out a couple months ago. And so I had to just basically change things up drastically. And so here lately I just kind of do what I want when I want. You know, today I did higher reps. You know, a couple days ago I did lower, heavier reps just to, I usually use more for beginners. I like to keep them in the lower end of the rep range just to learn the movements and to build strength. But for more advanced trainees, I, I like all kinds of different rep ranges because there's so many, you know, lower reps, you can get really strong. And then there's that middle rep range, which is just great for everything. And the higher rep range is great for challenging yourself. And, you know, now, nowadays I do, you know, I don't usually go lower than six reps right now just because I'm, I'm not lifting heavy. I don't, I'm trying to keep my back healthy. Um, so six reps right now is the lowest I go, but then I'm doing even upwards of 20 reps, which is, is freaking death. I mean, it's mm -hmm. death. High reps are death. <laughs> I can do a set of 20 push-ups and just everything is on fire and it feels like death. <laughs> but they're good. I mean, you get, there's great qualities to all the rep ranges and stuff. So, yeah, I was actually at this conference this past weekend and it was like a, a fitness blogger conference and we had, we had a couple workouts, but one of the workouts I still remember what we did. We did like 20, um, we did 20 squats to start off. And then, I mean, it wasn't like weighted squats, just like air squats, 20 and then 10 push-ups, and then 20 lunges and then like 10 burpees, then, uh, 20 push-ups, then 20 air squats, 
then 10 push-ups, then like um, 20 of something else. And then we rest for like 60 seconds. And then we did that. Then we did that two more times, those same, like that cycle two more times. And I, I'm still sore today. And we did that on Saturday. And I'm still sorry. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It was. It felt really good, and it went by really quickly. Honestly, I don't know how, but I mean, there were like a ton of us all packed in one room, so it was really fun. But okay, yeah. And even at the end, they were like, "Okay, now we're ending with a super ab blasting circuit." And we did like some ab stuff, which I almost never do because uh, there's no reason really, because squats, because squats. Um, but <laughs> because squats. <laughs> but the. At the very end, they were like, okay, we're going to have a plank challenge. And there's like a hundred something of us. And we were going to see who could hold the plank the longest out of all of us. And um, four girls ended up doing a six-minute plank. Yeah. And it was on like their your elbows, which I don't know which one's harder. I think that one's harder. I'm not sure. But it was a six-minute plank. I, I fell around a minute and 30 seconds. And I thought I was doing so good. That's still good, though. Yeah, it's good for, like, almost never doing abs. So I pat myself in the back, but I was, like, pretty shocked that I could see these people for going for so long. Um, yeah, awesome. Okay, well, uh, we're coming up to the hour here, and I have two last questions for you, and one of them is if you could give anybody advice on how to strengthen their mind-body connection, what would you, what would you tell them? Ooh. Oh my, that's a good one. And when it comes to nutrition or strength training or what? It can be anything you want to you wanna say. <sighs> really what seems to be helpful is simplifying. I know I say that and I sound like a broken record, but people hear me, but they just don't apply it. So it's really just about simplifying everything as much as possible. And, you know, ask yourself, why are you doing these things? You know, if you go to the gym and you're there for an hour and a half because you're doing 20 different exercises why are you doing all those exercises? You know, try to have a decent reason for all those things because more often than not, you're going to realize that you can still get the great results by doing a lot less than what you're doing um, by just focusing on the most important, you know, basic exercises. And then the same thing with nutrition. You know, if you just focus on just a few of the simple guidelines, just like two or three, you don't need all this other crap. So it really just needs to be about simplifying. And, and I'd really try to encourage people to find a way to enjoy this journey. I mean, health and fitness, it's, it's, it's something that should improve your overall life. It should enhance your overall life. It's something that should, you know, just carry over into, into everything that you do. And so often we obsess over these things to where it, you know, just actually breaks us down more than anything. And, and we need to get to a place that we're doing these things because we love ourselves and, and people get pissed at me and they're like, well, Nia, you already, you're in shape and you can, you're strong and can do all this stuff. But, you know, I tell people I had to start somewhere too. You know, I've, for me, I've been more for me. I was really pudgy and it, it destroyed me and I hated it. But, you know, I had to, I had to keep strength training and eating well. I had to, you know, realize I loved myself then, even though I hated how I looked at that point. I realized I wasn't going to make any progress if I was just doing things because I hated myself, you know, um, and it was tough for me looking down and seeing stuff that wasn't there before, but was there. And I was like, Oh, I hate this. But I, you know, I really, I made myself, I was like, you know, I have to realize that I'm 
great as I am now, I'm already awesome and I'm, I'm just going to get more awesome. I'm just going to get stronger. I'm, I'm not going to become a new me or any of that crap. I'm just going to, you know, become a better version of myself. And, and when you can really do all the, these things because out of love for yourself and your body and who you are, that seems to be, be really useful as far as kind of shifting your mindset to a different place. Um, and it's, it, it sucks. Sometimes I tell people, you know, you got to find things you love about yourself. And again, some people say it's easier said than done, but you know, find something that you love about yourself, not just physically. I mean, I, I tell people try to find something. Yes. That you love physically and emotionally and just something that makes you uniquely you in, in whatever aspect it is and be proud of these things and compliment yourself on these things. And over time, you know, if you're consistent with this, you're going to find more things that you love about yourself. And, you know, some people, they say they literally hate everything about their body. And I tell them to find something like, I don't care if the only thing you think looks good on yourself is your friggin' toe. Love that damn toe. And think <laughs> the best toe in the world. You know, it's so it's starting from somewhere. And then, you know, maybe you'll love your foot in a week or something. But <laughs> it's really just about it doesn't matter how small you start, just as long as you start somewhere and you're consistent and you really you know, find the things about yourself that you love and that are awesome. And then kind of something else to go along with this, surround yourself with people that love themselves and, and people that love you. If you're surrounded by negative people that will destroy you, um, kind of purge yourself with negativity and try to surround yourself with positive people. And that's a lot of information, but Hopefully, <laughs> oh no, that was such a good answer. That was that was so awesome, and I just want to add on to that because when you said um, just love something about yourself, it doesn't have to be physical, but something just about you. And next time someone compliments you and says, "Hey, like I love your outfit," or you know, "I love your laugh," don't say, "Oh, like this old thing, this thing in the closet." Oh, my laugh's so annoying. Like, love it. And accept the compliment. Like, I just totally, I've been thinking about that lately, just how often we as people just, you know, immediately we get complimented, we have to fight back. We have to say, no, that's not true. Like, this is actually a really ugly old dress, or my toe is actually really old and disgusting and too long and whatever. Just accept it and be proud of it and remember that compliment throughout the rest of the day. So that was really good advice. I love that. I hope everyone really takes that to heart and where can people find you and where are you headed? What's in the future plans of, you know, your business? Yeah. Um, people can find me at neashanks.com or liftlikeagirl.com. Same place. Lift like a girl is usually easier to spell for some people. So um, that's where all my information is. I have articles on there. I have some tutorials and all kinds of fun stuff and um, that I update, you know, a couple times a week. And that's where people can find me and connect with me and all that fun stuff. As far as what's coming out, I don't usually talk about things until they're right about to come out just because. So I've got some cool stuff coming, but I don't, I don't really want to say the details just yet. No worries. No pressure. And I will say for everyone listening that, I mean, I, I, I've read most of your articles, if not all of them, and I freaking love them. I love them. Like you are so clear. You I don't know if it's because I feel like we are the same person in a lot of ways, but a lot of things you say I can just totally relate to when you're so raw and open. And I'm just always really inspired when I meet people that can just come out and say, hey, yeah, I had disordered eating for a really long time, like a really, really, really long time. And I tried to make myself throw up, but I couldn't. But, you know, like people don't always just like talk about that. And I think it is just so powerful when people can take something in their past like this that 
damage them or hurt them for a really long time and turn it into something, um, it can share it and turn it into something great because a lot of people are going to be listening to this and saying, wow, wow, you know, like I've, I went through that or I'm going through that. And I just want to say that everyone should check out her website and like, honestly, it just, it helps me a lot. Like seriously, every time I get, I'm not on many people's newsletters at all. Because newsletters bother me, and I'm on, I'm on your newsletter, and I read every single one. I love them all. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good to know. Of course. So thank you again for joining us. This was awesome, and I'm just really excited to keep up with your work and get everyone else on board if they're not already following you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Bye now. Bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, moonfitness.net, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.